Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Vachi Boys podcast. My name is Ethan. I'm back. It is Super Bowl Monday. It is a tough day. Football is over. But you know the boys are here to recap it. And we may or may not have a special guest. You'll have to stay tuned to figure it out. But the Bocce Boys starts right now. Summer, all I did was rest. New Year's, all I did was stretch. Valentine's Day, I had sex. We'll see what's about to happen next. This ain't no regular shit. We never begging for shit. Niggas is ready to quit. Shit that they hate to admit. In Texas, I keep a rifle inside of the whip, call it driving a stick. In Vegas, I get two million a night from the wind just to run through the hits. All that on top of the chips. Boys, 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 we are here on Super Bowl Monday, and Amir is back, baby. Welcome back, Amir. Yeah, thanks for thanks for reinviting me back, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Good time off my busy schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Teacher Amir is teaching the youth of America right now, and he's taking the time out of his busy schedule to teach us a little bit about Super Bowl Sunday. Because Amir, let's get right into it. You were the only one out of the three of us that was somewhat victorious yesterday. Davis and I were both on the Niners, but you were on the Chiefs. So let's start there. How does it feel to be a victorious Chief supporter? Well, my bets didn't play out too well, but uh, I don't know. I kind of had a feeling this was a Chiefs one uh, that they were going to take down, and it just happened that way. I was rooting with a fellow friend of ours and, you know, didn't have any hope in uh, or any faith in the Niners, really, to pull one out and kind of put an end to the dynasty. But uh, I was kind of rooting for the Chiefs just because I hate the 49ers more than I hate the Chiefs. And plus, you guys know I had my money on, so. It was just kind of a double whammy for me. Green's green, Amir. Green is green. (laughs) Yes, it is. It is. It is. And you kind of hinted at that you were rooting for uh, the Niners to not end the dynasty, but the dynasty is here. That is three Super Bowl rings, if you're counting, which you should be, for the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in five years among a Super Bowl appearance in the one year that they didn't win, losing to Tom Brady. I mean – what is there to say? Patrick Mahomes is 28. Um, this team is not going to slow down anytime soon. Andy Reid is just going to keep rank- going up the ranks of coaches. Uh, Travis Kelsey, not just a superstar on and off the field, but, I mean, he's the leader of that team. Apparently his speech brought this the team to tears on Saturday night. But what is your biggest takeaway, Davis, from the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, it is Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, we were talking about X Factors on the last podcast, and I brought up Christian McCaffrey. And, and a big part of that, we both agreed we couldn't say Patrick Mahomes is an, X, is an X Factor because it's too obvious at this point. I mean, the dude threw for over 330 yards, two touchdowns, and he looked like a shell of himself in the first half. He did almost all of that in the second <laughs> If that's half. even possible. I mean, yeah, if that's even possible. I mean, this is now three Super Bowls for the guy, and not only three Super Bowls, all three he was down by double-digit points at one point in the game. I mean, that is something that is going to be going down in history. It's legendary. And the next question is, it sounds crazy that we're talking about maybe him getting four. Can we start talking about him getting eight? I mean, it's a long ways down the road. But, I mean, that discussion has to be talked about at this point. Does it, though? I mean, it's a little early. Like, we don't know. This team could slow down for sure. I mean, well, we, that's what hit. we said. That's what we said <sighs> after last year and the year before that. No Tyree Hill. Let's, let's just look at this first off. I mean, the Chiefs have Chris Jones as a free agent this offseason. They have Legereus Sneed, who 
arguably might be the best corner in the league. Like people aren't talking about enough. And I know there are a couple other guys that I'm not thinking off the top of my head, but this team is going to have to rebuild every single year. What is the thing that sticks out to you, Amir, that the Chiefs are going to have to figure out for this next season? I mean, everyone talks about the receivers every year for Patrick Mahomes. It came up this past season, and for some reason, he he made it work with MVS and Rishi Rice, like guys you yeah, probably won't Tony. think about in a couple of years. But, you know, Travis Kelsey, of course, he holds it down. Um, mm-hmm. Really, they just need to continue to keep that culture. I don't know what yeah. it is. You know, the water in in Missouri is this is different. Um, yeah. And I don't think it really matters who's on that team, what they do in the offseason, who they draft. It's just keeping the same mentality of, like, you know, every single year people are going to hate us. Every single year they're going to, you know, think that we're probably not going to get there again and let's just prove them wrong. Um, and that mentality just has to stay consistent throughout the off season and into the, uh, well, it's kind of far away, but into the fall and the autumn and yeah. the next season. Um, but yeah, it's kind of keeping your heads in the game. The whole season was riddled with Taylor Swift stuff and they still kept their, their heads in and, and played hard throughout the season. Um, a lot of people probably won't talk about, you know, the, the regular season for them. It's just, you know, the postseason prowess that really shines for the Chiefs, yeah. but they really got to keep that mentality. It's not anything about the um, the staff or the the players, really. It's just about the staff and Andy Reid and what it's he a good can point. do to, to get everyone you know, in, in the game. That's a really good point. Davis, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, kind of piggybacking off what Amir said, I think this might be the greatest Super Bowl run in history. I think they beat the four best teams in the NFL. I really do. I mean, everyone can talk about that. You know, yeah. it was a fluke. Um, but you know, everyone was looking at them earlier in the year when they beat the Broncos. I know it's the Broncos. They beat them 70 to 20. Everyone's like, Oh my God, like this is, this is going to be insane. A chance, the goat already most dirt yeah. somehow yeah. Is scoring touchdowns at a pace that only McCaffrey can touch. Um, and then they kind of wipe them out in a game that was negative 20 degrees. Um, you know, t- Tua looked like, um, you know, the two, I think, a lot of us expected him to look like not yeah. the MVP-ish Tua we saw there in the year. Um, and then we see, like we talked about last week, the Bills rematch almost part four, part five almost at this point. And it's not even a rivalry at this point because the Chiefs just dominate. And it, yeah. it really, you know, you kind of should be a rivalry. It should be a rivalry, but it's not. And it's because the Chiefs dominate every single time they yep. play. And yep. then not only that, they go into Baltimore arguably the best team in the NFL that we, like leading up to that week. And, you know, they kind of steamrolled them. And I know it was somewhat of a close game and the chiefs kind of had their foot on the brakes in the second half, their offense, but their defense shined in that game. And let's yeah. not even talk about the super bowl. Cause I mean, we're going to get to it, but you know, I think that, I think that this might be very comparable to the Eagles 2017 run, even though there weren't any hiccups injury wise for the chiefs yeah. this year, like the Eagles had. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs, like, you can't really say anything about this playoff run. You want to say the last couple of years that they've been only doing it at home? Well, this year they did it on the road this time. They didn't have a problem with it either. Uh, this time, like we've mentioned already, they had the biggest global superstar ever possibly in their audience every single game cheering them on, and it somehow was and was not a distraction because they're the Super Bowl champions. Let's just put that into perspective. Like, not any other team could do that. I don't know if the Patriots in their prime could have done that. Like having that kind of media attention just feels 
insurmountable in some way, especially when you've already won two Super Bowls and you're pretty much the living goat to some respects. But, I mean, this team just continues to figure it out. Like we said, they had a couple of ugly losses this year. I mean, that Raiders loss really sticks out. I think it was Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, whatever it was. They got the shit kicked out of them. And in a game that was like, whoa, what happened? What happened here? I mean, but it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I mean, the Eagles game this year, the Eagles had complete control of that game. And it doesn't matter. In this game, they they did not have control, the Chiefs being, did not have control until late third quarter, early fourth quarter. And it really felt like the air was sucked out of the building over time. I mean, let's talk about the the decision from Shanahan to get the ball first in overtime because I, I that was that was crazy. The fact that they let the Chiefs ha- get the ball second in an opportunity like that when they had the choice. I mean, I looked over at both of you and was like, "Oh, the Chiefs won the toss, right?" And you're like, "No, the Niners did." And I was like, "Well, well, the Niners asked for the ball. That doesn't make any sense." It was like, it, I don't know. I, I play Madden a lot, so it just makes sense to me. You want the ball second, knowing what happened. So, what did you guys think of that? Like it seemed a little silly, stupid, like all of the above in a Super Bowl setting, right? Honestly, at the time, I didn't even really think about it. When you were talking, when you were saying that, I kind of just was like, yeah, like no big deal. You know, you have your chance, like both teams have their chance to score. It's not really like whatever, but with the current, like with the momentum of the game at that time, it was a dumb decision. Um, I mean, even when Shanahan was, you know, he took that fourth down later in, later in the game, and we thought it was, you know, a Dan Campbell type of decision. And it <laughs> yeah. paid off. We were Did like, check? yeah, we were like, wow, you know, this guy, this guy's got some cojones on him. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. he really wants to win it. And maybe he just, you know, thought that they score first. The defense has a little bit more time to rest. Um, there's probably a ton of things that go into it. He's a smarter guy than we are. That's why he's in his position. Um, And a lot of people are going to criticize him for it. And I've heard of, you know, I've heard every single possible take saying, you know, the analytics say this, the, but the, you know, the feeling of the team says this, whatever, whatever it is what it is, but um, it definitely was a interesting decision. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. So here's what I heard. Um, Basically what Kyle Shanahan had said after, the game and then in his post uh you know conference interview he basically said he wanted the ball first so he could get the ball third and it, you know that's kind of interesting because he was basically saying look we're gonna score we just have to hold the chiefs to a field goal if we score a field goal or if we score a touchdown and they score a touchdown we're getting the ball third well guess what andy reed and the entire chiefs offense already came out and said after the game too that if the niners were to score a touchdown there the Chiefs were to score a touchdown. And mind you, they've been practicing this since training camp. Yeah. Uh, the Chiefs were going to go for two. Now, could you imagine, <laughs> could you imagine the Super Bowl <laughs> coming down to a two-point conversion and Kyle Shanahan's decision is to get the ball third? You can't look that far ahead, and especially being a guy that has now lost three terrible Super Bowls. Um, he was a head coach, let's say that. <laughs> correct. But I, we're at the point now where – you know, certain analytics, you know, looking back in history, I feel like you look at even Mike McDaniel from this year, he's a big analytics guy. Like some of these analytic guys don't really work out in their favor. Dan Campbell, like lost full oh, momentum oh. in the NFC championship after we're Eagles fans here. And like, agreed, we're the complete opposite of the spectrum. So it's easy to say that, but let, let's play devil's advocate. Like 
that analytics guy got Mr. Irrelevant to the Super Bowl. That, well, like, was it him or two, was it Debo uh, and Kittle oh, and, and Trent Williams? Guys, Trent yeah. Williams. Let's say Trent Williams more than anything, but like I, I don't know. I mean, Shanahan is a genius. Maybe not the best um, judgment, let's say, not the best decision maker in the moment, maybe. But like he puts his teams in positions to win. I know, I know that they've lost the same way to the same team, and it looks bad. But like we can't give up on Shanahan. Like. If Shanahan was fired today, we would fire our coach to get him. Correct? No, I don't want. I don't want Kyle Shanahan. I mean, that's a tough, tough call. <laughs> the tough call. Seriously, I think, like, if we're talking about Nick Sirianni now, yeah, I yeah, think let's do it. if you really, if you really want a guy, like, I, I trust Sirianni more than I trust Shanahan. Even though, yes, Dude. the Niners. Okay, hold on. The Niners did have the like third best offense in the league or whatever it was and the second best defense or whatever it was. But I don't want Shanahan in the locker room. He's not motivating the guys. The Niners are a fantastic team and he just has good schemes um, that goes along with it. That's why they're a great team. Hmm. And I think Sirianni's a guy that's like, you know, live and die by the city. Same thing with Dan Campbell. And that's, yeah. you know, that that's what kind of brought him down was his his ego sort of. And if that's what All right. gonna, if that's what's going to take us down, I don't care. I don't care about that. I'd rather someone that I can stand behind than someone that I'm going to see right through when I'm standing behind him. You know what I mean? I, I get it. I get it. But counterpoint, like he, he has been Mr. Consistency. Like he's been to two Super Bowls in four years. And in those two years that he hasn't been there, he was in the NFC Championship. I will say, like, I'm also just two and five huge, years. Sorry, I'm not really a fan of the coaching carousel culture that the NFL is currently on, where one guy doesn't have success in two years and it's all over for him. He's on the hot seat. Like, why is Sirianni on the hot seat? Because he, you know, collapsed at the end of the season. Sure, like, okay, I get that, but why are we just like all of a sudden discrediting like every other thing that they've done in their career? True. And Kyle Shanahan True. is like a great coach. Like I don't think there are many other guys you put a- ahead of him other than Andy Reid and Belichick and a couple other guys. But like personally, I think if you're a head coach who has had success, you stick with that head coach until something catastrophic happens. Agreed. Where the team falls out of love for that coach, not the the fans, not like you know the the management. The team does. And yeah. then you say, okay, we yeah. need to think of someone else who's going to lead this locker room. And that's what happened with our OC in DC. That's yeah. exactly what happened. Yep. Before we wrap up the coaching aspect of the Super Bowl, I just want to throw it out there. I don't know if Kyle Shanahan goes in my top 10 of current coaches in the NFL. I just want to throw that out there. I'm putting, I'm still putting Mike Tomlin up ahead of him 100%. I think Zach Taylor is very comparable. I still think I put Mike McDaniel ahead of him. Um, Definitely Bill Belichick, Andy Reid. I'm taking Mike Rabel, a guy who should have a job right now. He should have I have an opening for him. This for is my blasphemy. Life. This is classic day after Super Bowl blasphemy. Not a Overreaction chance. Monday. Ethan. Pat Ethan. McAfee show bullshit. Like, Ethan, if you look at – Sorry look for at, cussing. Family look, friendly. But, like, <laughs> we need to set some lines here. Seriously. Absolutely not. Kyle Shanahan is a good coach. And he's a genius play caller. But he's also a good coach. 
Let's say that he's a good coach. Saying, yeah, he's good. Mike McDaniel, he's who's literally 10. his, who's literally his son, is better than him. Is 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 blasphemy. Uh, is. I, I'll, I will. Mike McDaniel will. is a bad coach. Wrong. I think I. I think I still take Not Mike McDaniel wrong. ahead of him. I think that there's a certain aspect of the fact that you're blowing games, and you know, look, blowing games. Five, he was in the Super Bowl. He was in the Super Bowl because his he has the best team in the NFL. He had the best team in the NFL. The best 22 guys on the field, and he was still he still had to make yeah. a huge comeback against the Packers, who are a great team, by the way. Um, by the way, I think I also put the take team Matt together. LaFleur. I think I also take Matt Lafleur over Kyle Shanahan. Um, and then you had to come back from the Detroit Lions also on your his home son? field. You had to take the Detroit Lions. You had to come back from a 17 point deficit against the Detroit Lions, and they still did. What are you talking about? Hanging by their toenails, Ethan. Oh my Hanging god! They, they were beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl this year, were they not? They were also beating them five years ago in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, look, I'm not the biggest Kyle Shanahan fan. I'm not bang bang Niner gang all day, but I'm just saying, like, let's put some respect on his name because I would love a Kyle Shanahan. I'll respect it 100. I mean, I do. I I do respect it, but. I think I'm they're not be really some... feeling like you are though, because you you put Mike McDaniel above him and Mike Vrabel. I love Mike Mike Vrabel, but he hasn't done anything. I think it's just he's another one of those classic. You look, you know, at the analytical offensive coordinators that come out. Like, like you'd be saying the Kellen... same thing about McVay if he hadn't won a Super Bowl, though. Uh, yeah, possibly, possibly. Yeah. Look, I think uh, you know this. We know, that, like Amir said, this coaching carousel of offensive and defensive analytical coordinators that are be getting head coaching jobs at a really young yeah. age. Like everybody loves the sexy young offensive mind. You know what I'm saying? Correct, Mike. Uh, look, at Cliff, look, look at Cliff Kingsbury. He doesn't exactly. have a job until now. Like, I agree. I completely. But then look agree. at a guy like Vic Fangio, who will like always have a job. True, because he's ugly I mean, and he's a defensive guy. He's his nose exactly. below the water. Look at look at Andy Reid. I mean, well, he's a smoke show. Let's not let's not discredit Andy. <laughs> How many he's cheeseburgers? Not ugly. How many no. cheeseburgers? I hope Andy had all the cheeseburgers last night and this morning. He deserves a breakfast burger. Like, come on. All right, let's let's get into let's get into the more minutia of the Super Bowl. The commercials, the halftime show, and Taylor Swift, of course. Twelve uh, times. Davis, how, yep. Yeah. Didn't even finish. Yep. <laughs> 12, she was on the TV times. show. She was on the TV. How many times? 12 times. Probably more than that. It felt like a lot more than 12 times. But in case you missed it, she's dating Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And like basically it's Cinderella on earth, all that stuff. Besides that, what were your takeaways from the other stuff of the Super Bowl? Uh, I could say something, but, you know, you know, I'll just say it. Now you got to say it. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been loving the uh, – all the memes coming out about the Jesus commercials. Oh. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> They're great. They're great. All of the memes saying that, you know, Jesus washed feet. Jesus did this. We should, you know, look to Jesus. Well, these people, whoever they are, spent like $20 million. And when they could have donated that $20 million to the people that they're talking about. It's, it's, an interest, it's food for thought. It's all. Yes. That's all. It's food for thought. Just saying. Yes. But, I mean, the commercials, they were, eh, like, 
we, we were all together watching. We were talking a lot. Um, so we were really paying attention. The Dunkings one looked fine, but like Beyonce. Yeah, yeah, the Beyonce. The Kanye <laughs> one was big too. Whatever that was. Um, <laughs> the Kanye one. I didn't see the Kanye one on the TV. Apparently, that no. was on commercials. That's insane. Um, I don't remember it, but apparently, yeah, on his website, he was selling all of his clothes for twenty dollars each. Yeah, crazy. Good, good for him, man. Um, yeah, he definitely needs the money, probably. All right. Uh, so the Taylor Swift stuff. Are are we done? Are we done with it? Like we're we're cool. Like we we're gonna be we're gonna be happy seeing her next season because I don't think you this is ending anytime soon. You know what I'm gonna say? I just thought about this earlier because I was watching some TV and they were talking about Taylor, of course. And uh-huh. I think I think this is actually like a good thing for Taylor. I don't like I wouldn't I don't I'm not a big fan of Taylor, but I think it's a good thing for her to be like reintegrated into like normal life. Like, I don't think you guys understand Explain. that she like could not do anything publicly, like without being like mobbed. And like last night she went out to like the clubs and she was at these games and people were seeing her. And like it's gonna be comparable in a couple of years to like Michael Jackson being like out. Like, you don't see that kind of person out. So I think it's actually pretty cool. I okay. was like pissed off about it earlier in the year, but now I'm kind of just like, whatever. She's just like living her life. She just wants to be like yeah. happy. And yeah. um, I'm kind of over people being mad at her. Like she's just a person. I True, agree. But are you going to be mad about it next season? No. If, no. if, if it was like Kevin Hart who was dating, like, I don't know, someone, or I, I'm trying to think of like if someone who's comparable. Caitlin like, Clark. Sure. If it was like Caitlin Clark. Goat. And and they were showing her around. I'd be like, "That's awesome. Why not? Like, yeah. why not show her yeah. off? I don't yeah, care. For sure. As no, long as it I doesn't affect the team. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, actually, Amir. Where I actually am at a point where I don't hate it. Um, I don't absolutely love the amount of screen time per se, but um, I'm in a different boat where I think I actually really enjoy the fact that the NFL is getting such a new demographic watching their mm-hmm. channel yeah. and like. And, and their media, I mean, you know, you can make fun of the fact that, hey, like, you know, these people don't know anything about football, you know, but it's really integrating, like, you know, women to watching football that was has been generally a man's sport. And, sure. you know, I think that, you know, all these kind of social norms that I'm, you know, I think that we're all in, in the same progressive-ish boat of where it's like, all right, come on, it's 2024. Like people need to relax about certain things. Like, yeah. who cares? Yeah. Like, I want to, I want to sit down and watch a football game with my girlfriend, yeah. with my mom, with my grandma. Like, I want to sit and watch. If Taylor Swift being on the screen 12 times is going to help that, what am yeah. I? What am I supposed to say? You know, what more I mean? eyes on the product, the better. I'm all about it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, and like, especially that she's dating like not just some dipshit like Simone Biles is like no offense to Simone Biles and her husband, but like. <laughs> He's like no, her husband's terrible. From... He's not terrible. He, he's no, he he's plays, a terrible guy. He he's like the 90th ranked PFF cornerback, but we'll talk All about right, that. PF. All right, Chris Collinsworth Jr. Jr. He's, he's the catch, quote unquote. He's the yeah. catch. But like, it's cool that she's dating a superstar who's good, who's also funny as shit. And like, it's hard to hate Travis Kelsey. If you hate Travis Kelsey, it's because you're like a Bengals fan, Raiders fan, or there's a football reason. Like, he's a great guy. So it, it is good for marketing. Like, it is fun that we were at a party last night. All the girls were a lot more interested than they probably would be in any other year. If it was the Rams Patriots, like it was five years ago, that was terrible mm-hmm. or more. It was 10 more than five years ago. Oof. Yeah. Terrible. But 
I mean, it is fun. And the, the commercials are, they're getting bad. They're, they're getting bad. There's a couple that are good. Like the, the, like the trailers are the things that I feel like I look forward to. And those aren't even commercials, but I mean, yeah, but I don't want to see movie trailers that come out for Thanksgiving. Like that was one of the first commercials yeah, of the Super yeah. Bowl. And I'm like, what is this? Why are you seriously? Well, don't hit like, on Deadpool. All right. All right, all right. I'm just kidding. It could be any given movie, and it's like, oh, yeah, come watch right. this in 11 months. Uh, I'm yeah. good. I'll pass. Well, to be fair, like movies and theaters are kind of dying. So yeah, yeah, they're trying to do their best. They're doing their best. Yeah. All right, That's let's a move on topic to, for later. Yeah, yeah, let's move on to some wrap up football questions for the rest of uh, the off season. Let's go to futures, Davis. Let's go to next season. Because I absolutely love it. Let's get out of our, our you know, let's get out of the head of Let's talk about who's going to be good next year, who's going to win the Super Bowl, because I am looking, and I don't know if I love this team to win, but the Chargers at plus 3,000 with a new coach, Jim Harbaugh, they got just, that's all I'm saying. It's interesting. And then that's just where they're at. And then if you look down, the Browns at plus 5,000, they were in the playoffs this year. They need a quarterback. There's some like there are some juicy, juicy odds. But Davis, I want you to take us through it real quick. Yeah, I mean, look, it's way, but it's way, like as I put down there below, way too early. 2025 Super Bowl. You should have put way, way, way too early. Way too early. It's literally but the day of the Super Bowl. But there are a few things that I kind of like here. You know, I think that again, it's way There's too early. In everything, Davis. We're looking at why are the Lions the fourth ranked team up there? I don't know. Because Jared Goff is still their quarterback, and he's still mid. I don't care what anyone says. He is still a mid-quarterback, in my opinion. He took opinion. them to the NFC Championship this year. He only scored three points in a Super Bowl four years ago with a better coach, Sean McVay. Anyway, um, so let's look at the Eagles. I mean, I'm as Eagles fans, it's hard to be unbiased about this, but we know the struggles that we had this year, especially with the coordinator changes that we had from the Super Bowl last year. But good. Vic Fangio and um, Kellen Moore coming in. I mean, I would not hate the Eagles at 17 to one. I think they're a yeah. decent value-ish play for a team that can win the division. Um, and the way that the NFC plays out, we know that the Cowboys are not winning the division. It's going to be someone else. It's going to be, a, it, there's not going to be another repeat. Um, I think Green Bay would is. be a great, I think Green Bay would be a great look 25 to one. That's going to be a great division though, unfortunately with that the Lions. Um, but Ethan and Amir, what I'm really looking at, the Atlanta Falcons at 50 to 1. I think that it is an extremely, extremely volatile division. Okay, well, before you say why, what quarterback could come in there and bring the Atlanta Falcons to possibly, let's say, an NFC championship? His name starts with J and ends with Austin Fields. I'm serious. Justin Fields will be an Atlanta Falcon for week one. Really? Wow. Yes. What about what about the reports that the Raiders are aggressive in the QB market? Look, I don't hate that either. And you see on the list there, uh, dead last. And I know this isn't every single NFL team, but they're dead last on this list at 75 to 1. Another bet I wouldn't absolutely hate, but I agree with you, your stance on the Chargers and the fact that the Chiefs are going to win the division. Like we know this every year um, at this point, unless something catastrophic happens. Um, no, I want to. If you're betting against the Chiefs, a, you're betting against yourself, and you're an idiot. I want to take a chance with a team that can win a division, and I'm taking the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, I like it. I, I like it, it, Davis. Amir, there's a couple of teams to look at here. Um, I was more looking a little bit, a little bit of a different direction. 
the guys I'm looking at are the Texans and the Jets. I'm, you know, a big believer in the Texans. Um, I don't know what it was this season, but I was just, you know, a big supporter. If it wasn't the Eagles, it was the Texans for me. Um, and partly because I had some of their fantasy players, but I was also a fan a little bit. Uh, 25 to 1, though, pretty good. I like the the young dogs kind of showed their stuff this season, maybe come back. But the Jets, if Aaron Rodgers can play at all, the Jets defense is solid. It was solid all year. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers can sling the ball. I mean, yeah. that's all you really need. I think that's yeah. a very fun pick. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, he has that had incredible whatever arc surgery that now he's essentially back um if he wanted to play right now he probably could he's back um and just give him a couple more months he's going to be fine he is on the lower end of his career he's about to probably go but i think he has some vintage moments in him left and uh i think the jets is really where i put my money uh plus three thousand thirty one. i love it i like that um i I was thinking about saying the jets but i'm gonna stay a little top heavy on my picks uh I'll, i'll give you a dark horse but the two teams that really stick out to me are the Bills and the Bengals, two teams that I think are in the exact same spot. Um, I mean, the Bills, obviously, they have dealt with more playoff heartbreak recently, especially after the four years in the 90s to just, like, have to go through something this year. Just Tyler Bash, just fucking wide right. I mean, oh, absolutely Classic. brutal. I feel terrible for those Buffalo fans. And, I mean, the Bengals are kind of in a similar spot. I mean – they had a nothing season somewhat. I I know that, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Jake Browning had a couple nice games, but they didn't have Joe Burrow, and that was it. So they're going to be looking to rebound. I know that they were feisty in some games. Zach Taylor, I do not think, gets nearly enough recognition as a coach as he deserves. I think he's really, really, really good. And I know they lost their OC, but I think this Bengals team is going to regroup hard. I mean, they kind of had a down year, and maybe that was a good thing. Like, this defense – has been really beat up the last couple of years. Um, I know they've dropped some players over the years, but I, I like the Bills and the Bengals, and I, I really, really, really would like to see the Bills win one finally, but I don't want to get my hopes up because every year it feels like they might and then just don't. Um, and then my dark horse, I know I said the Chargers already, but, man, I think the Colts are going to be nice next year. I, I like Shane Steichen. Like, that division is for the taking. Like, it really is. I know you. You believe Texans. in Richardson? Yeah, man. I mean, Gardner Minshew got them to almost the playoffs. Did they make the playoffs? They lost to the Texans in Week 18. Yeah, that right, right. Made it. The winner made the playoffs. And like we watched Gardner Minshew play last year, like he was fine in that Cowboys game, but that Saints game was terrible. Like he is clearly not a Pro Bowl quarterback, which he somehow was this year. I, I think Richardson and that Colts defense is going to get a lot better next year. And I, I just like we said with Zach Taylor, I think Steichen's just a great coach that doesn't get enough credit. Agreed. I like it. No, I, I yeah. like that pick too. But, I mean, like like you said, CJ Stroud and the Texans are going to be a tough, tough team to get past the next couple of years. And then we don't even – haven't even talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars yet, excuse me. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting. But this draft and this offseason is going to be so interesting because – I mean, for some reason, the Niners are the favorites, even though they literally just lost. But a lot of these teams can jump up. I mean, the Bears could shoot up. Like, for some reason, like, the Vikings need a quarterback, and they could be top 10 on this list. They were really good at the end of the year. 
But um, I'm really looking forward to this offseason, guys. Really, really looking forward to this offseason. But unfortunately, no football for almost eight months. That really, really sucks. I mean, we've got USFL, USFXL, FL, whatever. Yeah, I mean, that'll be fun. I mean, it's cool they merge the leagues. It's less confusing, I guess. But, um, guys, let's talk about football one last time. But let's head to the college ranks. A couple tidbits from this weekend. Um, Bill O'Brien, he was the Patriots OC this year. He left to take the Ohio State offensive coordinator job, which I also think came with play calling duties. Um, But he is now being rerouted to Boston College. The Boston College head coach uh, actually became the Packers defensive coordinator this offseason. So Bill O'Brien took that uh, opening in Boston College, which means that there was an opening in Ohio State. And, guys, our old pal, Chip Kelly, the one and only is taking the offensive coordinator role at Ohio State. As Penn State fans, what is your first thought to that? I mean, I'm glad we're not seeing Bill O'Brien, but like Chip Kelly isn't anything to, you know, walk over either, right? Yeah, I mean, there there's a reason why Chip Kelly was playing at 11 o'clock Eastern time every Saturday <laughs> um, that no one was watching. Um, I think he is the godfather of offensive analytics. And I think he's he's lived and died with that, which I can yeah. respect. Full like seriously, full heartedly, I can respect that, especially in the college game. I tried it in the NFL, didn't really work. Why would you trade Shady? I don't know. I still think about that a lot. <laughs> uh, it gets me angry. Anyway, he caught uh, Deshaun Jackson, uh, traded to Marco Murray. We can get on the list. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is uh, a very interesting hire for Ohio State, especially with them having Ryan Day, who might be on the hot seat this year. Um, oh, you know, maybe yeah. it could be, a, you know, Chip Kelly gets somewhat grandfathered in if they have a good offense, but they can't beat Michigan again. I'm not really sure. The Big Ten's going to be really up in the air this year with all the uh, top, basically top four, five, four of the top five Pac-12 teams coming over. You can say that again. I mean, the one thing I would look at with Chip Kelly, last season, four and five, in, in the conference and eight and five overall on the season. Was that UCLA? Yeah, mm-hmm. UCLA. Wow. Um, not too good. Um, considering like, yes, Washington, great team. Oregon's a very solid team. Even Arizona, uh, they went 10 and three, good yeah. team as well. Um, but I don't know. I think Chip Kelly, his, his schemes, his, you know, allure is kind of gone. Um, yeah. It's a cool hire, I guess, but I would want to hear how Ohio State fans feel about it. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's some different sentiments as you know compared to us, mostly Penn State fans, but I don't have any fear of Chip Kelly. Really, it's not anything too special anymore. He was he was yeah. a big time guy back in the day, but now he's just Chip Kelly. The first, the yeah. only thing we can fear before we fear anything else is James Franklin. <laughs> yes. He is the I'm always fearful. He's the boogeyman in the corner of your own room. You just always yes. have to check. Um, Davis, can you tell me though why for some reason Chip Kelly went from the head coach of UCLA to the offensive coordinator at Ohio State, though? That is such a lateral move, if not a declining move, correct? Uh, because of the future. I mean, you know, you're moving, like Amir said, you're moving from a team that went four and five in the conference to a guy that could be grandfathered into a head coaching job at a top five prestigious college football program in the nation. Um, You know, I think that 
there's a lot of potential being the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. And we've seen a lot of these offensive court or uh, really just coordinators at these giant schools, uh, you know, become great talents. And I know Chip Kelly's at an age, you know, where he's, he's not going to be the new hot shot or anything. He already was that. But, yeah. I, you know, I really think he can make a name of, him, name of himself, um, you know, if Ohio State really does the job and, you know, lives up to the expectations of, you know, like they were last year, the basically the second best defense in the nation and can actually score points and beat a team like Michigan for the first time in two, three, four years. It's crazy to say. Yeah, I mean, look really to is. what uh, look to what Ohio State did in their bowl game, too, against Mizzou. Nothing. Yeah. Diddly right. squat. <laughs> I mean, Italy squad is right. they probably saw that and were like, you know what? It's time to do something. I think the um, prestigious, you know, or like the, the the quarterback situation in Ohio State is very interesting. It's been interesting for the past couple of years. Yeah. They've had a lot of talent. And recently they've had talent, but not as much execution, at least loud execution um, <laughs> in terms of like spectacular plays and whatnot. But yeah, they've been real quiet, which has been I think fun they, on our side. Yeah, I think they just really want to open it up, and that's probably what this hire is. Just get some guy yeah. who knows what he's doing, who's had some success, and give him some real talent and uh, see what he can do. Yeah, and then uh, let's wrap it up. But one thing I want to get to before we wrap it up, I just spoke of a lateral move possibly Chip Kelly, the ultimate lateral move in sports this offseason in this sport of baseball was Shohei Otani. He literally moved laterally across the city from the Angels to the Dodgers. The reason I bring it up is he's back. Uh, he took BP today for the first time, at least live in front of reporters and press, um, after his Tommy John surgery, UCL surgery, whatever you want to call it. Um, he seems like he's going to play uh, their opening day game, which I think is in Seoul, South it Korea, in, at the end of March. Mm-hmm. Um so he doesn't have as much time as a uh, normal opening day usually is because I think it's like the 20th or 30th of March or something. But what are we feeling now that like, A, I kind of forgot that he was a Dodger and it's weird seeing him in Dodger blue. How are we feeling about Otani on a Dodgers uniform and uh, him being healthy this quickly too? Yeah, I think it's just the definition of a sport that has no salary cap that, you know, <laughs> that's exactly how – I would push to the board of directors or whoever I need to talk to uh, when I say, hey, look, you probably should implement a salary cap because nobody real like nobody's going to be interested for 162 games of the Dodgers winning 115 of them. Like, look, it's going to be entertaining, but it's going to come down to a three game series um, in the playoffs for them. You know, so that's it's just too long of a season, too short of a postseason. I think the the wild card one game was interesting. Um, I think the three game series is is maybe worse. Actually, I don't know how they're going to be able to find a way to get a good middle ground. Um, but again, like I said last week, they could play the Pirates in a three game series and get swept and lose three one and then lose five two, and the season's over right there. <laughs> so yeah. I think that um, it's going to be interesting watching him in the blue and you know on the other side of town basically um i hope he gets a little bit more media attention um i'm not saying he didn't get enough already but just with this dodgers team is going to be really fun i mean i saw nine different clips of him taking batting practice today for the first time since surgery and i don't think the angels ever did anything like that so being props to the dodgers it's just better resources Uh, you gotta feel uh you gotta feel happy for him but yeah you also gotta feel kind of like i mean what is this really all coming down to? Like Davis was saying, like, it just feels so like, I don't want to say pointless, but 
it's kind of just like a PR stunt. I mean, they signed him for a big amount of money. He's going to win some games for them. But at the end of the day, it's really about who hits well in the postseason in October, who is hot and who is not. Um, Otani's a fantastic player, and I'm sure he's going to bring out like a ton of highlights this season in the Dodgers uniform in the blue and white. But, um, you know, the past couple of seasons haven't been – or not past couple – past season really and and past two have been like yeah and you know you look to a team like the phillies and the i mean even the padres or like a couple other teams cardinals i mean it's not all about that stuff i think he's a very cool player he's like bo jackson-esque he's like you know talented in many different ways but i don't really care about the dodgers i don't think many people care there's no comparison i mean especially them winning during covid i think that just kind of like it was like, eh, who cares? And they've been yeah. losing the NLDS every year. Um, but I mean, same thing this with is like their the Lakers. To get back on the map. It's the same thing with the Lakers and their their winning. I mean, their COVID win uh, championship win. It's like they they won. Everyone's like, eh, whatever. Like, doesn't really count. Like, like yeah, they were a good team, but whatever. I just think that um, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter to anyone outside of LA. No yeah. one's going to really care. It's a really hey, cool we'll signing. See. It's gonna it's gonna sell some jerseys. I'm sure. We'll see, I'm, gonna see, I'm gonna see that, people wearing them at concerts, but that's about it. Well, that for sure. The the marketing and the jersey sales will go crazy, especially internationally. But I mean, the Dodgers have like they could be really scary if they get a team going this year. I mean, they already have Mookie Betts and all whoever Freddie Freeman. But I mean, we haven't seen Shohei in the postseason yet. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's not. But you know, I think it's going to be great regardless because if they're in the postseason and they lose next year with Otani, I mean, you know, the Twitter tweets and all that X stuff is going to write itself. I mean, it's going to be great. So either way, the fans will win. It's just good for baseball to some degree. To some degree. There's and we no also need to start pitching again, too. Yeah. We need to start pitching there's, again. There's no comparison, and it's just kind of ridiculous. Like, as a Phillies fan, like, across literally like across the, the country – it just like doesn't feel intimidating at all to me. Like I don't not care yet about Shohei. Yeah, not yet. But well, and not even like not even the Dodgers before they had Shohei were like intimidating when they're winning over a hundred games. Yeah, I remember in 08 they felt intimidating. Hopefully they don't ever get back to that. Manny yeah. Ramirez felt like the most intimidating guy on the planet for six games, and then we and then he went him. quiet as shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we still beat him. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. Ethan, before I wrap it up. Can I give you a future? Come on, Davis. You know I love a good future. Hit us. Before we wrap it up, can I keep it with baseball? Ready for this one? You guys are not prepared for this. You know the Kansas City Chiefs? Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl yesterday. We're going to stick it to the Kansas City Royals. They're going to win over 72 and a half games. That's my pick. (laughs) We're not – you think, come on, we're not going World Series. You like Bobby Wood that much, huh? I'm not insane. Bobby Wood Jr. is him – I love the contract that he just signed. Salvador Perez, yeah. great catcher. I mean, obviously he's just a legendary he's like 35, guy. Thirty-five though, he's done. Legendary, and he's still he's still hitting. He's he's much better than what Yadier Molina was. The Royals was. suck. Um, Royals fans. Lunch bet then seventy-two and a half wins. We'll have to wait six months for us to actually pay lunch out. Deal. It's done. Deal. I'm the biggest anti-Royals fan this upcoming summer. We'll be I'm buying a jersey. It. I'm buying a jersey tonight. I'm going to have chat figure out what jersey that I should buy. <laughs> hey, what happened about the Niners jersey, huh? 
Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, we forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, We're going to get him a Zach Greinke's jersey that's going to look great on him. Don't worry. Uh, there you go. Don't like worry. All right, guys. Thank you for everyone who joined, who watched. Um, the last video did pretty well. We appreciate the people who, you know, liked it on Instagram, you know, listened to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everything. Um, we have link trees in most of our social media. So if you need to find us, it is not hard to find. Um, but we thank you for listening. Share, subscribe, like, all that stuff. I don't know. We don't know what platform you're listening to on, but we will always appreciate you for supporting. Thank you. Goodbye.